All right, Resonate Church, tell me, how you feeling today? Is everyone feeling all right? Jordy's got some clap. You got the clap, the slow clap started. Well, way to go, man. Someone's got to always start the slow clap. You feeling good this morning? I'm so happy to see you in church. I love the fall. I love that we're stepping into a brand new message series called Asking for a Friend. I'm excited about that before we get there. Let's do something that's important to us that we always do around here, which is to take a moment to celebrate some things that God is doing. Last Sunday, as Pastor Troy said, was Vision Sunday, and we had a chance to just talk about the heartbeat of our church. The people close to you but far from God could come into this place, and as we read in Mark chapter 2, that, that, they, would, that they would be able to say, and they would say that, I, I, I've never seen anything like this before. Come on, somebody. And, and the same reason as it is in Mark chapter 2, they would say that because Jesus is in the room. They had a chance to encounter and experience the love of God, and that's my prayer for you this morning. And I'm believing God's got something for you today. The second thing I want to celebrate this morning, uh, along with Vision Sunday, was we had some announcements on Vision Sunday, some exciting announcements. The first of which was that in four weeks' time, when we launch our At The Movies series, which, by the way, is going to be crazy, crazy fun. It's like we've decided in those four weeks, what's the most amount of fun that we could have in church? That's kind of the goal of that series. Like, just, you know, we don't think church should be endured. It should be enjoyed. Come on, like... We just want to have some fun together in church at the movies. And that is, listen, we have designed that whole series not around you. I love you. You're great. But it's not for you. It's for your friends. It's for people that aren't here today that think, man, church is not for me. And church isn't relevant. And church might be boring. No, this is for those friends that we could that meet them where they're at and look at, some, look at our, our lives through the lens of Hollywood movies, of course, then turn into the Bible and see what God has to say about these things. Come on, somebody. It's going to be great. So because we already got a full room last week on Vision Sunday, it was so full. There were people sitting on the stairs. Like it was just like during the whole message, I'm just like, they're sitting, they're not even leaving. They're, they're still, sti- like there's somehow, there's no back to the chair. They're just, and like that's where we were last week. So that's what God has done among us. And because we've got a full room during that series, at least for that series, we're going to roll two services. Come on, 9.30 a.m. and 11.15, 9.30 people, where are you? You think you're going to hit 9.30? 11.15, where are you at? Right? 11.50, of course. The party people. The people who stayed up late partying, they're like, what? 9.30, they're just like, I'm, I've been up for a long time. I'm quiet. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. That's so good. Well, maybe you'll be here for both, right? Some, you know, just, who, where are the double dippers going to be? They're going to sit one and serve one. Come on. That's, that's, like, that's the dream team right there. So good. That'll, uh, that, that's just so exciting. Uh, and we also had, as Pastor Troy mentioned, our small groups launch. We are a group built on Resonate groups because we love that we get to share God's word in this setting, in this atmosphere. But really the growth, the best growth happens in your life in the context of the relationships and who's in your life. And so we had the launch of our small groups last week. And I want to just celebrate. It was so amazing. The response was incredible. We've got more groups than ever before, more people signed up than ever before. Really what I want to do is just take a moment and thank the Resonate group leaders. So these are people just opening up their homes, opening up their lives so we can do life together. Can we just celebrate this crew? Woo! Come on, now let's put it to, keep that going for Jesus in this place. Come on, let's just praise God. God, you're incredible. Come on. The best of our praise. The best. Well, we're in this Asking for a Friend series, and I love this idea, this, 
asking for a friend concept. You know, we would say, I'm asking for a friend when we don't want to be embarrassed of asking the question ourselves. Maybe we just don't want to be the one that looks like we don't know the answer. And so in this series, we're going to be pressing into some topics that we might not want to admit we don't have the answer to, but really all of us have to admit there's some answers that we all need and things that we all wrestle with and struggle with at various times. And today is such an important message. Today, I don't know if you saw this in our social media, you heard last week that I was going to be speaking about this, but today I want to talk to you about how can we deal with depression? How can we deal with depression? Now, it's kind of a bit of a heavier topic, and as we said, uh, we said last week, we say all the time, we want to be a church that does both the party and the pain really well. We want to have an incredible time in church. We want to throw down the best parties. Come on, somebody. I was talking to somebody uh, this week that I, I, I was on their Instagram, and they were like, they, they, they were dancing, and it was amazing. They're such a great dancer. And so I messaged them, and I'm like, when can you choreograph something for church? Like, that's just how we are. Like, we just want to have some fun in church. And so if you're a dancer uh, and you've got some skills in that area, I think it would be cool to know because I would like to see some incredible, like, choreographed thing happening right here. Never done it before. I just think that church should be a party. Church should be fun. Church should be amazing. And at the same time, we need to be able to stand with people in the midst of their pain. We don't overlook it. We don't say it's not okay in this place. No, we should be a community. We should be the one space where you can come in and know that it's not, it's okay to not be okay. So I want to talk today about how can we deal with depression. It's an important message because as we've seen in the media lately, it doesn't seem like there's almost a week that goes by where we don't hear another story of someone whose life looked amazing on the exterior, but beneath that amazing exterior was a deep amount of pain to the point where even they took their life, and really the breaking point or tipping point for me where I felt like I needed to address this in church was a number of weeks ago, an Instagram influencer from Australia, uh, she would take her own life, and the pictures online were of, of her life. She was traveling the world, uh, apparently on the, on the yacht of some Mexican billionaire, this $200 million yacht, and just eating in the best places and taking pictures in the most beautiful places on the planet. She got to a place where apparently, reportedly as a result of a breakup, she would take her own life. And just realizing that on the outside so much looks so good, but on the inside people are dealing with so much. And, 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 and another thing that I was, as I began to research this, I was actually, I've got a therapist for a wife. Rachel is a, a phenomenal therapist. Thank you, Jesus, for free therapy, right? Like, <laughs> glory to God. So we talk about these things all the time. I was still surprised the extent to which this is an issue in our nation. Do you know that one in 10 Canadian adults is on an antidepressant? And the most hardest hit segment of our population is the youngest. Depression is growing uh, quickly and rampantly and the rate of actually medicating is accelerating. In some countries, it's doubled in the last 10 years. Canada actually right now is number three in the world on how heavily medicated we are to deal with depression. But it's our youngest that are facing it the hardest. The most depressed segment of our population is ages 15 to 24. And of the 15 to 24-year-olds, 75% of them say that the reason they are depressed is wholly or in part due to body image. To the point where 67% of our young girls, 15 to 24, have said they've contemplated suicide. Two in three. One-third among the guys, 33% of young men, 
contemplated between 15 and 24, contemplated taking their own life. So this morning, I want to press into this, and I want you to know it's actually, it, it happens in church as well. And there are some things that we actually see in the Bible and some great men of God and women of God that in the Bible, we see that they, even in the midst of God doing amazing things in their life, there are some lifestyle patterns that can start to lead us to a place where we're feeling depressed. And there's a lot of various reasons for depression. And I want to look at a couple of them today from God's word. And I love God's word. I love that it doesn't minimize these things. I love that God being the God of, of joy, you know, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. So God is a life-giving God. He's full of joy. As he's praying for his disciples the night before the cross, we just took communion. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for, for his disciples, and he says, Lord, Father, that my joy would be in them. So he gives joy, and he gives life, and, and so this is who God is. But God then doesn't minimize that there are times where we go through deep pain and times where even people of God who do great things for God go through some pain sometimes. And one of the, the, the biggest, kind of most well-known stories of this in the Bible is found in 1 Kings in the life of a man by the name of Elijah. And I want to press into Elijah's story this morning. I want to take a few minutes, and I want to unpack how he got into depression. There are some biological, chemical reasons that someone might just be predisposed to it or have it depression in their life. But we can't look at the rampant acceleration of depression and not realize that there are some lifestyle reasons that we're ending up in this place. So what are some of those reasons? And then what I want to do at the end is, glory to God, I want to look at five things God does to pull Elijah out of depression. Here's why this matters so much to me. This message matters a lot to me. And that I'm praying it's helpful for you is that starting in May 2007, I went through two years of depression. I was studying at the time to become a chartered accountant. And so I would work long days on a computer. I'd come home and work long days studying well into the night on a computer. And carpal tunnel syndrome eventually hit my hands to the place where my hands went numb. I felt pretty invincible. I kept trying to press through it. I was a young man. And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. I'm Gumby. I'm like, I can bend all over the place, and then I can just go right back. It's no problem. I, I'm, the, my hands are numb right now, but it, it will be fine. But it didn't get better. And Rach can attest to this. This might sound extreme, but it got to the place where I couldn't wear long sleeve shirts. Something touching my wrist and my hands was too much nerve pain. I couldn't, Rachel had to cut my food for me. I brushed my teeth with two hands. The biggest thing for me was that, was that I, I, just, I realized that the career I had worked so hard to build so that I could provide for and support a future family for us was gone overnight. I found myself in a place of depression, and I remember the lowest of the lows. In fact, I remember very vividly, we were at the Cheesecake Factory in Seattle. We were down for a weekend. Of course, just a place and time you should be having a lot of fun. And I remember going into the washroom at the Cheesecake Factory, and I was by myself. I was alone in the washroom. I looked in the mirror. I'll never forget this moment. I can still see it vividly. I looked in the mirror, and I actually said out loud to myself, I'd rather be dead. Here's the reason I tell you that story this morning. Number one, I want you to know from my heart personally, it's okay to not be okay. That we've all experienced, not maybe what you're going through, but we've all experienced brokenness. We've all experienced pain to some degree. And you need to know that this is a family, this is a community where it's okay to not be okay. And this is why we build our church on groups, not on services. Because you need a place where somebody knows that you're not okay. Everybody here doesn't need to know that you're not okay, but somebody does. 
And your sickness is not a sin. No, it's something that you're going through and God's going to bring you through it, which leads me to the second reason that I want to share my story with you today. And that's just to let you know there's hope. There's hope. I felt so completely hopeless in that season. I'm like, God, I don't even know what job I could do. I'm like, what, what, even, what can you do without hands? What job is there that you can do? And I'm like, well, maybe like the, you know, the, the guy that uh, you walk into the bank, the security guard at the bank, like he, he just stands there basically all day. And you might be a security guard at the bank and that's a wonderful job. Now he stands there all day at the bank. He doesn't really have to do much, but I'm like, at some point, if something goes down, even that guy has to use his hands. I'm like, I'm just, I'll, maybe I'll just do like, I'll be the kicking karate guy. You know, like I'll just like, I could work at the bank and if you try and do some stuff, I'll just kick you. I'm like, God, what can I do? And I remember as I was driving to the pool one day where I was trying to do some rehab, I remember just looking up to heaven. Again, I remember these moments so vividly. You remember your most painful moments very vividly. And I remember looking up to God and saying, God, I don't know what I can do with my life, but I still have a voice. Could you use me? I want you to know there's hope. I didn't realize the best was ahead. That's why we stand up here all the time in front of you and say the best is ahead. Not because we've only experienced the good, but because we've been to the worst of the worst and seen God bring us out of that and show us that, hey, with our God, the best always is yet to come. Even to the place where, you know what? Devil, if you took my life, the best is yet to come. Come on, somebody. Our God has given us not just life here, but life eternal. Come on, I'm gonna, am I going to preach a little bit? I'm going to need a little bit of help. I'm talking about depression, but don't be afraid to shout me down today, all right? If I get to some happy moment, you better be with me. <laughs> They're going to be rare and infrequent today, but if I hit one, come on, let's go. Let's go. I said to Rachel last night as I was kind of running her through some of what I would say, I'm like, I need a few more lighthearted moments. I'm going to you know, stay up a little bit and try and work on those. I didn't find any. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Look for those. Glory to God. What happens in Elijah's life? I would actually encourage you this week to go and fully read 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 because I'm going to summarize a lot of it and I'm going to read little bits and pieces of the text. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah's life is looking awesome. It's the highest highs. And on the outside, some things are going great. Don't have time to push into the full details of the story, but Elijah wants the nation to see that God is God, not the false gods that they have gone to worship. And so he goes into a little bit of a showdown with the prophets of Baal, and he says, hey, if you, why don't you ask your God to send fire? I'll ask my God to send fire to this sacrifice, and God sends fire on Elijah's sacrifice. Talk about some ministry credentials, like something nobody else in the Bible experienced. He calls down fire from heaven. Fire comes from heaven. That's pretty cool. Now, what happens, though, is not everybody is excited. The wife of of King Ahab, Jezebel, she says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. She sends a messenger to Elijah and says, I'm going to get you within the next 24 hours. You're dead. The beginning of chapter 19 tells us that Elijah was afraid. And so that's the entry point into depression for Elijah. There is this exterior circumstance that is challenging and that is difficult for him, he's afraid. That's the entry point into it. But as we walk through it, we're going to see uh, some other things that begin to press him into this depression that he finds himself into. The starting point is an exterior situation, but the second thing we see is this reading in verse 3 of 1 Kings 19. It says that Elijah arose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So the second compounding factor, in addition to the fear that he's got, this compounding factor is he begins to isolate himself. 
The one person that's been rolling with him, his servant, he says, no, I want you to stay behind. I don't need you anymore. And he begins to walk alone. And so now he has no thoughts but his own thoughts. He doesn't have someone else encouraging him on the journey. And how many know if we have nothing but the ruminations and our own thinking and our own mind, we're going to find ourselves in a difficult place emotionally. We need God's thoughts and we need the encouragement of some people around us that are thinking better than us, that are seeing bigger than us. Come on, somebody. Everybody needs this in your life. He isolates himself and it begins to compound the problem. What else begins to compound the problem? Verse 4. He says to God, take away my life. For I'm no better than my father's. Second compounding factor after the isolation. Did you notice it? I'm no better than. It's comparison. He's comparing himself to his father's. And you know, do you know what's funny? It's not, actually, it's not funny. You're not going to laugh. But you know what is real about this? <laughs> He's not good at comparison. And neither are you. He compares the worst of himself to the best of other people. He's just done something his fathers never did. We don't read about his fathers and what they did and calling down fire. No, Elijah did that. But he's not comparing his best moments. He's comparing his worst self to the best picture of somebody else. Anyone aware of this little thing in our lives that kind of operates like this? We're terrible at comparison. Nobody's life is as good as it looks on Instagram. My life is not nearly as great as it looks on Instagram. I will post my kids worshiping before bed with their hands raised. You don't see that they were punching themselves and I clipped it out of the video. <laughs> Nobody's life is as good as it looks on Instagram. My life is not as good as it looks on Instagram. Trust me. We compare the worst of ourselves or our average selves to somebody else's highlight reel and it depresses us. Elijah has fear initially. But it gets to depression because he isolates himself and he begins to compare himself to other people. Can I give you some thoughts? Just like this is, can, can I pastor the house a little bit? Can I father you a little bit today? You've got to protect yourself on social media. Social media is not bad. There's nothing inherently wrong about it. I like it and it's fun and it's good. But if you don't protect yourself, you will find yourself depressed. I've got some triggers in my life that I use to kind of elevate my thinking throughout my day. One of them is first thing in the morning. I get in the car. When I start my car, that's a trigger for me to ask myself this question. What are you excited about today? Because usually when I get in the car, I'm pretty tired. And I'm pretty like, you know, and it's been hard to get the kids out of. So I'm on my way to my first meeting and it's been a bit frantic. I need to pause and I say, what am I excited about today? That just shifts your thinking, gets you thinking good thoughts. Man, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. It just shifts your thinking, gets you thinking good thoughts. You need to do the same thing on social media. Here's a trigger for you. When you open up a social media, I use this one all the time. When you open up a social media app, just say this. I'll say this out loud. Just say this. Say, God, I'm only living for your like. When you hit the button, 
Make that a trigger to say, God, I'm only living for your like. Sometimes I don't even end up in the app. I'll just shut it down and I'll be like, man, that felt so good. God, I am only living. And I'll just take a few moments in prayer. Maybe I'll get back to the app, but just a few, just that thought, God, I'm only living for your like. And to, to be in that beautiful space with God, you gotta protect yourself. Can I, can I encourage you? If you wanna take it one step further, don't just protect yourself, protect other people. Because you've got a bunch of followers and they're following you, but they're looking for Jesus. Talk about the Bible. Post vulnerable, honest things. Post from church. I'll pose for you. Like, <laughs> none of that was planned, by the way. I didn't work through any of that. It would have got shut down in the editing phase by Rachel. See, but you need to start over for social media. God help us. God help us. Oh, that's the most ironic thing that's happened in a year and a half at Resonate Church. Could you start over for our Instagram? Woo! See, we're finding the funny moments, right? We're just like, we're pressing into them. Glory to God. And you're, you're going with them. That's good. Let's press into another challenging one. We see that he isolates himself. He compares himself. But we need to take a step back. There's just one more kind of big picture compounding issue is the reason that he finds himself in depression. And, and it's this. And it, it, it's not intuitive to us, but it's very real. I think the reason, one of the main reasons he finds himself depressed is he's just had one of his highest highs. You ever notice that some of your lowest lows come after your highest highs? It's the reason I have, I have an alert in my phone. Rachel has the same alert in her phone. 8 p.m. on Sunday night, she's supposed to ask me how I'm doing. Why? Sunday morning is the best part of my week. Thus, Sunday night is the hardest. Pastors talk about this all the time. Sunday night, it's like, we just, that's, the, that's the time when, when we're just kind of feeling a little bit low. Why? We just experienced a high high. Elijah has this highest high, and as a result, sometimes we don't land well after our highest highs. And that's why, as we talk about what we've seen just in the media, people that have successful businesses, people that have TV shows, people that are followed by tens of thousands of people, they are successful and they've reached the pinnacle. After reaching the pinnacle, they've had their lowest lows. People would say, why? How could you do that? You're traveling, you're eating, you're enjoying yourself, you're in these beautiful places. Can I, can I, can I, can I tell you why that is? The saddest place in life is not not having what you think you need. The saddest place in life is having it and realizing it didn't meet your need. Elijah has this high, high. He falls to this low, low. And so many of us in our culture, we're on this, this race of accumulation. The race of accumulation starts where I just think I need some more. And more is fine for a season, more feels good. Right, when you got that job that paid more, it felt good. The problem with the race of accumulation, the problem with the starting point of more, is more is undefined. And so once you have more, you still want So maybe in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, maybe you're just after more, and then you get some more, and then you decide, I need something different. I need something that goes beyond more. And so, and so you're like, well, now I'm, now I'm 32. I don't just need more. I need better, 
Or maybe now I'm 52. I've had some more. I got, a better, I got that better paying job, and so now I need to go get something better. And better's fine. Better will feel good for a season. When you bought that better car, it felt better. And when you moved into that different condo or that different place, it felt better. But the problem with better is it's undefined. And once you've got better, you still want better. Once you have more and you have better, you will find yourself in the lowest of lows because you had what you thought was going to make you happy and you realize it didn't make you happy. So you go from more to better to despair, just like Elijah. The crazy thing is it can happen in the church. It can happen to a prophet. Church can become like this, where we're no longer just showing up for the power and presence of God and the sole reason of worshiping him and growing closer to him. Sometimes it can creep into our hearts and we begin to make this family and this community about how many people know my name and how many people are saying nice things about me. And the quest and the race for accumulation even begins to infect our hearts inside the house of God, inside church. So what do we do about it? How can we deal with this? Well, I, I thank God that, that over the next few verses, we see five things that God does to show up and interrupt the depression in Elijah's life. And these things are not the things that you might be expecting in church. One of the reasons I think that church has not been as helpful for people as maybe we could have or should be is that sometimes when someone is in depression as a church, and this is, there's nothing wrong with this, but we're just limiting our focus. Sometimes in the church, we just only look to the spiritual reason. We say, well, you must not be praying enough, or there must be some distance between you and God. And yes, that is likely going to be found in these sorts of places, but not necessarily. And you know what? God understands how he made you. He made you a complex individual with lots of reasons that you find yourself depressed and discouraged. And what we find in God's word is he understands right where you're at and he's gonna touch all of those different places and he's not even gonna start where you think he's gonna start. He's not gonna show up with a lecture. He's not gonna show up and say, why didn't you pray more? He's not gonna show up and say, come on, buck up, Elijah, figure it out. He's not gonna show up and say, stop complaining. He's not gonna show up and say, get your act together. No, he's gonna show up. You wanna know the very first thing God does to Elijah? He touches Elijah. He sends an angel. The angel doesn't show up like many angels throughout scripture and say, fear not. The angel doesn't show up with some big announcement, some big proclamation. The angel shows up in depression. You wanna know how God shows up in depression? He touches Elijah. This is why we have groups. This is why we build our church on groups and not on Sundays. Because you need a place where you're not just being talked to. You need a place where you're being touched embraced, seen, known, touched. Come on, somebody. And we are a church that, that hugs and embraces. And I'm not talking, it's 2018, so we need to clarify. I'm not talking about unwanted touch. None of that. <laughs> but we live with arms open. Some of you, you just, before you go today, you need a hug. You need touch. We're going to have prayer at the front in a few minutes, if I can hurry up and get through this message. We're going to have prayer down at the front. You need a hand on your shoulder. That's the starting point where God wants to meet you today. You created a relational being. You need to know someone's there. God just, God just, I'm here. I'm here. You're not alone. I'm here. What's the second thing that happens? The angel touches Elijah. Reading on in verse number five. This is so good. This is so God. You, you enjoying this so far? Come on, somebody. This is good for your soul. How great. I, honestly, I cannot out-preach God today. 
I won't even come close. I'm going to do my best to tell you how good God is. I'm not even going to get close. Second thing God does. The angel says to him, says, behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. How good is God? Elijah is complaining. What does God do? I'm going to meet you physically. You need a good meal. You're feeling depressed. You're like, man, I show up to church and I think the pastor is going to preach my face off and tell me that like I'm living a horrible life and I need, and maybe you are. You know what God's going to say to you? Come on, take a deep breath. Have a nap. Get some food in you. Because before I can tell you to change your life, you've got to have some strength inside you. He touches him. <laughs> then he feeds him. Oh, he doesn't feed him. He actually tells him to feed himself. So there you go. <laughs> Arise and eat. Third thing. God does to pull Elijah out of this depression. Whew, this is good. They just keep getting better. Verse number nine. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, understand, when Elijah left his servant behind, Elijah was not a rich man. He didn't have a servant because he could pay someone. Elijah had a servant because he had a powerful ministry that somebody wanted to step into one day. And so he came alongside Elijah, and this is what I would encourage you to do with leaders in our church. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I carry water for you? Because I just need to be around you. What could I do to get more of your time and more around you? That's why Elijah has a servant. He's got a servant because he's in ministry. So understand that when Elijah kicked his servant to the curb, he was saying, I'm done with ministry. He's walked away from the call of God on his life, and he's found himself complaining to God. In fact, he's saying nonsense that's not even true. He's like, God, I am the only one left serving you. What does God do? God shows up, and here's the third thing God does. God shows up, and God listens the God of the Bible repeatedly shows us again and again and again. He can handle your mess. God never once through scripture condemns those who come to him and pour out their heart before him. Never once. Why? He understands that before you can deal with it and move on, you need to know that you were heard. You need to know. Listen, a lot of us think we want, we want holiness and righteousness in our lives. And we want to leave the sin of our past behind. And you're like, you know, I, just, I think the way I can deal with my sin issue is if I exchange bodies with someone who does better with temptation. That's not how we begin to move away from sin in our lives. The move away from sin comes with understanding what is the pain in my life that's causing me to pursue sin in the first place. God needs you to understand why you're in such pain that's causing you to medicate with stuff that he calls sin and second best for your life. So before you can change your life, you need to understand why you're in pain and making poor decisions. God says, let me listen to you. God says, why are you here, Elijah? God knows why he's in the cave. He's God. God never asks a question because he needs to know an answer. God is asking Elijah, why are you here? Because he knows he needs to talk. He needs to talk it out. 
He, begin, oh, he begins to go through all the reasons. And many of them are nonsense, but God still lets him talk it out before he begins to call for some change. And then we get to this fourth thing that we see God do. And this is, of course, the best. This is where we reach that spiritual moment where God ministers to his spirit. God understands the nuances of your soul. Touch some food, your emotions. But now God wants to meet you spiritually. So what happens? I'm going to summarize verses 11 to 13. They're kind of, again, like a well-known passage of Scripture. But let me just summarize it for you. Along comes a wind, such a powerful wind, it's like shattering rocks, but God's not in the wind. And then along comes an earthquake, but the Bible says God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there's fire, God's not in the fire. If you've been around church, you, you might know this story. Then there's the sound of a whisper, and God's in that whisper. And God begins to minister to him through the power of his presence. And as I look back on the depression that I walked through for two years, I remember the moments God met me with his presence, even in the depths of my discouragement and depression, borderline despair. I remember sitting over in a section kind of on this side, left side of the church at Christian Life Assembly in Langley. I remember having my hands over the back of my head, feeling so low. And I remember God met me in that place. God spoke to me in that place. I remember I was up in the back. Again, the CLA was my church. So I was up in the back in the balcony one day. And, and, and I just, I, the presence of God, you never forget when God meets you with his presence in your pain. Never forget it. Today, some of you, as we open up the front for, to receive prayer, God's going to meet with you. And it might not be in that powerful, earth-shaking way. It might just be in a whisper to let you know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm close. You hear his voice in a whisper. He touches you spiritually. God's not done. He's still got one more thing he needs to do for Elijah. Verse 15. The Lord said to him, <clears throat> go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Fifth thing God knows that he needs to do to bring Elijah out of depression is he says, go. He restores Elijah's purpose. If you want to get out of that difficult place, if you want to get out of that depression, God is eventually going to lead you to a place where your life is for more than yourself. We don't have a dream team around here because we're trying to build a church. We have a dream team because we're trying to build you. Understand that if we can get you to a place where you understand that your life exists not for you but for somebody else, it will be the final stage of God bringing you out of that place. It's part of what sustains you. It's part of what, what gives you life. When we, when we, know, we all want to have a life that lives beyond ourselves, but there's something about a team. There's something about coming together. God restores his purpose. God says go. God says return. Go back to that ministry that you walked away from. Come on, I put something on your life. Go, 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 go. That's why we make next steps the center point of what we do. And unashamedly, I literally preach. I don't know. I'm going I'm to tell you one of my secrets, okay? Here's the secrets. I preach next steps and groups every week. I don't know if you've noticed this. Every single message, I will make a point about next steps and groups. It's like two of the three every week. Why? Because you need to do life with people and you need to make a difference. And we're not trying, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. Because you never know what purpose feels like until you're making a difference in the life of somebody else. 
you want to get out and stay out of that place of pain, you, you got to know that your life reaches beyond you. How good is God? Man, he understands you. Is it, is it, should it be surprising that God knows you pretty good? He knows you. He knows you. He sees all that multifaceted who you are. And he says, I'm going to meet every one of those needs. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for your presence in this place. In fact, why don't you stand with me all over the room? Oh, God. We're going to open up the front for, for a prayer time. Our prayer team's going to come. The cue for you to come is just as soon as the band starts to sing. Step out and receive prayer. Maybe because you need to deal with this issue or maybe just because you're hungry for God today. But step out. Allow someone to put a hand on your shoulder and pray with you today. You can stay where you are, of course, and just worship. But some of you today, you need prayer. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, God, that you are raising people up. I thank you, God, for those who just need a touch today. God, that you're going to touch them. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to meet with some people emotionally and begin to heal their heart. I thank you, God, that there's going to be a whisper and your voice is going to speak. God, move by your power. Move by your presence in Jesus' name. that the highest king would welcome me I was lost but he bought me and oh his love for me oh his love for me to the sun sets free oh he's free and I'm a child
just far from God, just a, a little bit in your heart, you know 
you've never made a decision to fully surrender your life to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have, but at some point you willfully made a choice to walk away from God. I don't just mean that you've had some struggles and you've been battling a little bit. No, I mean, I mean you've walked away from God. And today before we close this service, I know that our God specializes in the thing that you need. Forgiveness, deliverance, new life, and eternal life. That's not some promise of the church. That's not something that's dependent on me. That's who God is. And so in a moment, I want to invite you. If you would say, yeah, pastor, that's me. Include me in that prayer today. I need to surrender my life to Jesus again or for the first time. If that's you in this place, you'd say, yeah, don't leave me out of that prayer. Today's my day to make a decision to follow Jesus. Would you just shoot your hand up, hold it up? You need to know we're not going to embarrass you, center you out, call you. We're just going to pray together, all of us in this room together. Just raise your hand, say, yeah, that's me. I don't want to miss today. Today's my day to surrender my life to Jesus. Just give you a moment as God reaches the hearts in this place. Thank you, God. Yeah. Now, whether you raise your hand or not, but today you're making that decision, we want to pray with you. And come on, church, let's pray this together as a church family with those making that decision today. Come on, just say this loud enough, just with your own voice, just say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today in believing faith that you love me so much that you died for me to take away the penalty of all my sin make me brand new I believe and I put you number one in my life and I'm going to choose to follow you help me follow you I receive new life in Jesus name amen come on resonate let's put our hands together come on like you really mean it